welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. It's Wednesday, March 15th, 2023, and Dr. Rick and I are coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, many of you, I'm sure, have had this marked on your calendars for the entire year. It is National Social Work Month. And while most of our listeners may not know that, we certainly know that around here because we are honored and blessed to be surrounded by literally the best social workers in all of the United States and I would say all of the world. Women that love the Lord, men that love the Lord, that are called according to his purpose and work with all their heart, mind and soul unto him. And one such social worker that we are pleased to have who is a dear friend, a dear sister, and just a fantastic representative of Christ is Susanna Ayers. And she is here with us today. And we get to talk to her a little bit about social work while she chose the profession of social work. But as we do, we're also going to get to tell the story of the Simpson family as told by uh, the patriarch of the Simpson family, Mr. Jeremy Simpson, both of which we have the honor, Dr. Rick and I do, of serving with at Lifeline. And so before I bring on the infamous Dr. Rick, I do want to tell you about Susanna a little bit. She joined Lifeline in May of 2021. Uh, she is from Birmingham, Alabama, and she serves as a local caseworker conducting home studies for domestic and international adoptions. She attended Harding University along with the entire rest of the clan of her family. Uh, that is a family trait going to Harding University and received her bachelor's of social work and minor in youth and family ministry. She continued her education and received her master's of social work from the University of Alabama, Roll Tide. She is the oldest sibling and has one sister who is two years younger. For fun, Susanna likes to go on walks, listen to podcasts, and spend time with friends. And I love this. Her three simple joys are ice, vanilla, latte, sitting outside with a good book, and sharing a meal with family and friends. And of course, we are also joined by the one and the only, no one else in the world like him, Jeremy Simpson. He joined our team in September of 2019 as Director of Operations. Uh, he has a bachelor's in secondary education from Jacksonville State University, where he played a lot of basketball and a master's of theological studies from Southwestern Baptist Theological. Seminary. He enjoys laughing, which I can agree to that. But the biggest thing I know is he enjoys going on adventures, especially if they're outdoors, hiking, camping, backpacking, getting in an Enu hammock, any of those things. That's Mr. Jeremy Simpson. He doesn't enjoy coffee. He likes chai uh, tea, which is probably the reason that the Lord called him in many stints overseas to Asian countries and other places where they enjoy the chai tea. Uh, he has three simple joys and they're good conversation, the smell of air in a forest and learning. And Jeremy and Courtney are husband and wife, and they are mom and dad to three beautiful girls, their youngest of which they adopted from India. And so that's a, a bit of the story we will weave in hearing a little bit more about Susanna and her call to social work. But before I bring on the one and only Dr. Rick, I do want to remind you about our resource page. If you're in need of helpful articles or other resources for your family, visit our resource articles page. Topics there include adoption. Can you imagine that? Attachment, siblings, medical needs, children's behavioral challenges, birth parents, how to address grief and trauma, and so, so much more. If you want the hyperlink, go to lifelinechild.org backslash articles. Again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash articles. 
or as always, you can see our show notes. Well, I just recently, a couple of weeks ago, got back from the beautiful country of India, which we are going to talk about here in this podcast. And even while I was in India, it was reminded to me yet again that Dr. Rick is not just a commodity and a superstar here in the United States, but he is a world-renowned author, speaker, celebrity. I was asked, even before I went to India, to bring several copies of his books, Uh, You would have thought I was passing off gold as I gave these to pastors and our partners. He is infamous. Uh, He is the one, the only, the one that you listen to this podcast to hear, Dr. Rick. Wow. After an introduction like that, who couldn't succeed, right? Um, You know, I I have a theory that I've had here at Lifeline that people that do youth ministry could do anything, right? And it just occurred to me when we sat down, it's like there are four former youth ministry people sitting in this room. And I think like truly, this is the this is the kind of crowd that could take over the world, right? Like we youth ministers can do anything. And so um Amen. We were talking earlier, chai tea is not really a thing, right? That's just saying the word twice, Herbie. Well, chai is the spices. So it's spicy tea. Yeah, I would say it's a thing. Sorry, that's that's my Eastern European orientation because it's just chai everywhere in uh, in Russian. But um, but no, I you know I'm really really pumped to have this conversation. And and one of the one of the things that when it comes around to National Social Worker Month is like our family wouldn't be what it is without godly social workers and uh, people that have helped us through the process of of getting to our kids, but also have poured into our hearts and our lives and, and helped us do that. And, and so Susanna, you're like an example and one of literally dozens and dozens and dozens of people here who do that kind of work every day. And, and so for me, let me say to you before we even get started, thank you because of the way God's using you to um, equip and to enable and to shepherd so many families. And one of those families is the Simpsons. Jeremy is a friend to us and a colleague, but uh, one of the things we've had the privilege over the last couple of years to to be a part of is is Jeremy and his family as they walk the road to to bring their little girl home. And and so, man, I'd, I'd love for you just to talk a little bit about, you know, just kind of tell us a little bit about your family and why you guys chose to pursue international adoption. Yeah, so my wife, Courtney, and I um, have been married for uh, 14 years. Uh, We both had a heart for adoption from early on. Uh, We both grew up in very rural places, different places in Alabama, um, but you know, just so rural. I, uh, my joke is I grew up in between Dogtown and Lickskillet, if that tells you anything. Uh, but uh, had a unique opportunity, you know, 40 years ago, 30 something years ago, both of us to be exposed to families who had adopted internationally. And rural Alabama was rare. Um, and so we, we both had examples of that that were just beautiful and unique. Uh, as Herbie said, like I, I, we've both always loved culture and travel, and we uh, lived overseas. We lived in South Asia and had a huge heart for that. Um, we have two biological daughters um, before we adopted. 
Um, they the the youngest now is is three, and and then the middle's five, and the oldest is seven. So lots of pink in my life, and I I process everything in the context of Disney princess songs. But um, when it came down to why did we choose adoption? Uh, we had a heart for it along the way. Coming to work at Lifeline, we already had a a deep passion, and and you know Susanna and other social workers ask you a lot throughout the process. Why are you doing this? They do it a lot better than that. But you know, there's a there's a lot there. There's there's an overwhelming need in the world. There's this this call of God to care in a, in a way that portrays the gospel. There's looking at our lives and saying, maybe we are by far from anything special, but we have some cross-cultural experience. We have we have ability. We have opportunity. We have we have a large community in our church of people who have done it that have helped shape us. But you know, our answer, Susanna can tell you, our answer was always, we just want to. We 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 don't feel like we're we, we never felt like we were disobedient if we didn't. We didn't feel like we were a hero of the story. We didn't feel like we had answers that somebody needed. Um, we just chose it. Um, we just wanted it. And and that was such a picture even of Christ for us, of, you know, God, God didn't have to include us. He just wanted us. Um, and that was so much our heart for why we wanted to do it. I, I think, I mean, Obviously, too, you and Courtney have such a huge heart, not just in passion, but also vocationally for the nations and wanting to get engaged in the nations and, and certainly for Asia. And you've, you've lived in that context. Uh, you know, I, I remember when you first told me you were adopting, I even thought it was, you know, just a, an awesome story to know that Courtney was pregnant when y'all lived in Asia. And here now you're going back to bring a daughter home from Asia. I, I don't think it can be undermined also that, that y'all just have a heart for the nations. And so, you know, it did not surprise me when you came and you said, hey, we're adopting from India, but equally as passionate is Miss Susanna. And I remember, and I, I have deep, deep roots with your family. Uh, no, you, you only have aunts, no, no, your aunts. Uh, and even though your grandparents, and I remember when one of your aunts and uncles came and said, Hey, you know, we're not telling you to do anything, but there's an application that's going to come from one of our nieces. And just, if you don't mind, just you look at it. And I remember I told, you know, our HR team, okay, just make sure you, you know, you, you process this one. And Susanna, and I know Jeremy and Courtney would agree, to know you is to love you and to love your passion. You just exude Christ in everything that you do, which just is not a surprise. But just like all our other social, you're just brilliant. Like you really could do anything. And since it's social work month, I would be interested to know, how did the Lord lead you to social work? Thank you, Herbie. Um, I am the daughter of a social worker. And so my mom has been a faithful social work practitioner for many years. And so that has been really my first exposure to the social work field. And as I entered into undergrad and was thinking of what I wanted to study, the Lord really started opening my heart toward social work and toward adoption and foster care, caring for the vulnerable child. And then, as you mentioned, I went to Harding University. And so I there had the unique privilege of fully integrating those social work principles as well as biblical principles and really having that educational foundation to see that when we are serving in the social work field, whatever 
that looks like. Most likely we're going to be partnering with someone in their suffering because those are the kind of people that need social workers, people who are having difficult times and just in need of some kind of service or support. And so to be able to sit with those people in those moments and point them towards the gospel, whether that be through words or just with actions, um, it's just something that I'm so grateful that the Lord placed in my heart and then continued that with the opportunity to work somewhere like Lifeline, where those things are so integrated in our everyday walk and in the things that we're able to be vocal about, have those conversations about, pray about, things like that. Um, So just really grateful for this opportunity. And I think it's very humbling to look back and see just how the Lord was weaving that in my life and has continued and will continue to. You know, Dr. Rick, we don't have sponsors on the podcast, but with Susanna here, we really could make Harding University a sponsor. <laughs> we uh, should reach out to them after we, the we really could. Uh, any idea how many of your family members have gone to Harding? I mean, it's really too many to count. It's been quite a few. If you consider everyone who's been to school similar to Harding, that's when the numbers are astronomical. So, you know, I was destined to go to a school like that, I well, guess. Susanna, you know, obviously, too, with Jeremy and Courtney, I, we would be interested to know kind of. What did the journey with the Simpsons look like? What does the journey with those families that are adopting look like? And, um, you know, just from your perspective, you get to work not just with the Simpson family, but with so many different families. What does that journey look like for you? Yeah. Um, As a social worker, you're really working with families in every step of the process. So that starts when they're applying, they're getting their approvals, a lot of paperwork. Um, Also throughout the process, it's a lot of waiting. I would say Jeremy would probably agree with that um, at each stage of the process. And so while you're helping them collect paperwork, meet requirements, things of that nature, you're also just getting to have conversations of setting those expectations and providing encouragement in the Lord and his timing. Um, And so you get to walk with families as they're matched with the child. And then as they continue on in the adoption process and they're getting the finalizations and meeting those requirements again on the U.S. side and then the country side. And then um, gratefully, the work does not stop there, because even when a family comes home with their child, that's really where their work is beginning with attachment, bonding, um, those practical services. And so that's where we as social workers get to continue to enter into that and be just a support and an encouragement and a listening ear sometimes more than anything. Um, And again, somewhere like Lifeline, just consistently pointing them back to the gospel and also um, being pointed back to the gospel by families as well. It's very much a reciprocal relationship there. It's incredible. And I, I love the way that you talked about even in your educational, you know, preparation, mm-hmm. the fact that integration of a biblical worldview with the discipline of social work and the way that God worked all that together to really uniquely fit you for this kind of ministry. And, uh, you know, as I was sitting here listening to Jeremy tell, you know, a little bit of their story, it, it's just um, like you guys know I'm a crybaby, so I'm probably going to start crying in the middle of even saying this. I think for those of us as adoptive parents that have, have walked this road of, um, those dreams, those aspirations, that call of God to do this would be unfulfilled without social workers who have prepared and who work diligently and who invest in families like ours. And I think one of the things I hope that comes through in a podcast where we're celebrating National Social Workers Month is how much we recognize the the dedication and the hours and the investment um, that you make and that other social workers make into tons of families in order to, you know, to help us to be positioned, to be able to thrive as a family. And, you know, and Jeremy, I know um, that is a lot of your experience, even mm-hmm. in walking through the process. And we, um, you know, we talk a lot as, as you guys were moving through the process about different pieces and different parts of the journey. Um, but 
what was it like to have social workers, have people come around you who were able to guide you and support you and, you know, and, and also pray for you and to invest in you uh, as a Christ follower in the midst of, you know, the journey that your family built? Yeah, I mean, invaluable. Um, and like Kirby said, working here at Lifeline, we're just surrounded by incredible social workers. And and I'm sure some of my coworkers will hear this and judge me, but uh, Suzanne is the best. I mean, um, she is uh, just her knowledge, her heart, but her her wisdom. I mean, she just she always had the right answer for the right and the right attitude and heart for the right moment. She, you know, sometimes people have the ability to celebrate with you. They have the ability to cry with you or, or struggle with you. They have the ability to to process with you. And she just always just, it was just seemed to understand. Uh, and, and a lot of people have that ability, but just, just having that, um, that voice that normalized, you know, that voice that seemed to, uh, if, if for no other reason to do nothing other than make you feel like you're not crazy, um, was just, uh, invaluable. Yeah. I mean, the process, the, it's funny, the adoption process for us was not, I know it's long, you know, we were two and a half years into our process, um, from application to placement. Uh, and that's a long time, but I think we went in with that expectation. A lot of social workers will tell you different things, you know, celebrate every success and be thankful for every step. And, and we, we never took that approach and we talked it through with Suzanne and she's like, yeah, that makes sense. And, 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 and she never pushed us one way or the other, but for us, it was, we always felt like if we got too high, we were setting ourselves up to crash. So for us, we tried very much to keep kind of eyes on the prize at the end. Like I didn't get in this to finish a home study. I didn't get into this to get, you know, uh, provisional approval. I didn't get into this to get uh, matched. I got into this to bring a kid home. Um, so until then, everything else was just processed for us. And then that that was really good for us. And Susanna was great just to help us walk through that and and keep keep that perspective. And and I know she said, like for other families, she approaches it different ways, but she she always honored that with us and, and helped us walk with that in just a really encouraging way. Now, once we got home, I was like, holy cow, what are we doing? Um, and a lot of conversations. Yeah, with that holy cow comment. Right, <laughs> right. Um, but... Uh, but you know what? Nothing works when you get that child home. Um, time and love is the only thing that does anything. And in the moment, sometimes that is not enough. And uh, and you're constantly like, what else can I do? And, you know, Suzanne and others will be like, here's some options. I'm not going to tell you it's going to work. Try this. That doesn't move something. Try that. Understand that nothing except time may move something. Um, so it's just such a wealth of resource uh, and knowledge. Uh, we can read books, but to be able to sit down with someone and actually process, you know, I think this, I think that. Well, have you tried this? Have you tried that? It just, and you know, have that advocate, but it feels like there's always hope in moments that otherwise you just don't see things change. You look, you always look back. Like we, Courtney and I look back over pictures and things from six months ago and we're like, oh, wow, she's just come so far. Mm. But then there's moments you're like, is anything changing? <laughs> uh, is anything, you know, getting better? And, and it is, but so there's that perspective. Well, you know, and I think, I think that's, that's one of the pieces that is, is part of God's grace in the social workers that have journeyed, you know, with us through this process. 
because I think for us, our experience was that, that everything, especially in our first option, everything was the first time. And we felt, we felt unique in a, in a circumstance where we were anything but unique because it was happening to us already the first time. And, and so we didn't have, we didn't have a frame of reference. We didn't have, you know, we didn't have the, the experience to, to help us and, and to have someone who was walking closely with us that did that when we were freaking out because things happened or things didn't happen or, you know, things seemed fast or they seemed slow or whatever, to have someone who had that perspective to say, you know, I've, I've been here and I've been here with families and I've, I've, I've walked through this and I've, and to add to that, the ability to say, and I've seen God move and I've seen God work and I can be confident in who the Lord is invaluable to our family. And I think, I think today that for us, a lot of our, a lot of our confidence in the Lord, quite honestly, was, was born out of experiences that God gave us with a really trusted friend who also happened to be, you know, one of our caseworkers along the way, several times, different people who affirmed and, and said it like, you know, God, you're, you're, you're going to make it. It's going to happen. You're going to, and, and we're able to do that authoritatively. And it got us through a process that we didn't really understand. Hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, even if you look at the field of social work, just like many of the fields that we have, it's, it's a, it's a field based in biblical truth, mm -hmm. right? You're coming alongside of someone, helping them see the way they're created, the way they're made, the way they're to interact. And obviously in an adoption process, I'll start with you, Jeremy, you know, it's essential to have someone hold your hand and have a social worker that's doing those pieces. But what did it mean to have someone who wasn't just helping you move the process along, but was pointing you back to the one who created you and created your daughter? Yeah. I mean, I'm not someone that, that just easily buys into what someone else is saying. I'm not someone that easily oh, really? is. Are you serious? I'm not someone. Grins uh, around the table. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I'm not. It's it's not that I'm not convincible, but you're going to have to convince me uh, when we get into things. And I can tell quick when someone is is kind of babbling and doesn't know what they're talking about, and they're trying to fake it till they make it or or whatever. Um, and if we walk through this process, and someone tried to come and say that you can do this without a perspective on eternity. If you can do this without adoption as a picture of the gospel, you don't get why we're in it. Mm. And you don't, I, I would argue, argue you don't even get it, but you don't, you definitely don't get why we're in it. Um, so that perspective was just essential. Like we, we were in this because we, we felt called to it because we felt like this was, you know, it is to, in some ways, in a hope to bring the gospel to a little girl who most likely would never be able to hear it otherwise. But it's also to to try to humbly to represent the gospel to the world around us and how Christ adopts us. But probably first and foremost, it's to learn God's love for us and adopting us. It's our own sanctification. And for all three of those things, like, you know, that's that was the most valuable thing with Susanna and, and other social workers is she got that. Mm. And we didn't have to teach that. You know, she didn't have to, to adapt to that. Like that like-mindedness just brought so much value. Again, like I, I want to hear what she thinks. I want to, I don't, she doesn't have to convince me. Um, she doesn't have to, to break through those 
probably sin issues in my life, but um, it, it just, you know, I want to hear what she has to say because I know she gets it. She cares about us and she cares about why we're in it. Well, Susanna, truly, this is not an advertisement for Harding, but you did mention you go to Harding, you get your social work degree and you had a good biblical basis. And, and I do believe that social work as a social science is very much goes back to the way God made us and trying to figure those out. But yet we also know, unfortunately, that many of our social work schools are going very secular and divorcing themselves from anything about the God of the Bible or the gospel or or relationships in that way. I remember my good friend Karen Purvis used to say she loved it when science would catch up with God. Um, And so as much as they want to secularize it, there's just still things in social work that's point right back to a creator, right back to creator's design. I've got two questions for you, but the first, I'd love for you to compare and contrast the biblical worldview and social work you got at Harding with kind of the secular view of social work you got at Alabama. Great question. Um, I think like you're saying, a lot of those principles are in some ways similar of caring for the oppressed, caring for the vulnerable, seeing the people who are not highly valued in society. And a lot of times those are the basic tenets of social work, dignity and worth of the person, intrinsic value, all of those things. And so while um, those qualities and values may be shared by both secular social work practitioners and biblical social work practitioners, the basis of that when you are a Christian social worker is completely different because, yes, I absolutely subscribe to the social work code of ethics, but so much more Mm. than that, I subscribe to scripture and Mm. the Bible. And I can clearly see those principles explained there and lived out through the character of Jesus Christ. And so um, how would I ever believe that those things are not in line when the example that I'm seeing from our Lord Jesus is to be down on people's level, to be eating and um, spending time with the people who otherwise are overlooked in society. And so I think um, while it may seem the same on the surface level when you dive into it and really see what it's coming back to, if you are a social worker who is also a practicing believer, then you can see that everything is so much deeper and that everything that happens in the day to day when you're advocating as hard as you can for a child, all of those things. Yes, you will be a fierce advocate for the child, but you also understand that everything that happens is under the Lord's sovereignty and he first and foremost is in control of that. So kind of second, I- I'd love for you, maybe even for someone who's listening to this, who maybe is in college trying to seek a degree, maybe it's even a young person who's listening to this, why social work? But also, how did going through social work even make you a better disciple of Christ? Because I've loved hearing others say, hey, even going through this process, sometimes at a secular university, sometimes at a Christian university, it made me a better disciple of Christ. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think... Again, just sitting with people and their suffering, that is always going to be impactful. And I think one of the beautiful things about social work, too, is getting to just hear people's stories, whether that be a family, a child, someone else that you're working with. Um, That's something that you get to see so up close in the social work profession. And so I think for someone who's potentially considering a social work career, um, I think a great thing about it is that you can work in so many different fields. Um, Adoption of foster care is the field that I have chosen in this stage of life, but there are so many different ways that social workers can have impacts and serve. And so your reach and your influence and really your ways to disciple, whether that be in an upfront way or a way where you're just showing the gospel with your actions. And there's a lot of opportunity for that there. And especially like you mentioned, to be a Christian social worker, I think you just have even more of an impact there. And so I think just being up close to people is always 
helped me to be pointed back to the gospel. And then again, to share in those hard moments, to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. It's not always easy, but it's always valuable. And it's just a really cool thing to be living out what I feel like the Lord has called me to, at least in this season. Yeah. And I, I could commend no better program really than social work and just would pray for believers that get into a social service program that aren't blessed to go to a Christian university, have a Christian worldview infused with social work to make sure they're surrounded by, by other godly people and see God's intrinsic common grace uh, through a curriculum. Well, and I know this one, cause you've told me, but also know Susanna prepared you and Courtney well to go to India Jeremy, kind of take us the rest of the way and talk to us about being in India, meeting your daughter. What did that look like? What did traveling look like? You know, and and even in that, how was Susanna still a respite and a help for you guys, even, you know, thousands of miles away? Yeah, so we're probably unique to some, and we've the Susanna and the India team here at Lifeline have connected us to some other parents who are in the India program who have a little bit of anxieties about traveling to India, like you should talk to the Simpsons because the Simpsons will travel to India at a drop of a hat any moment. And in some ways I'm, I may be more comfortable in India than I am here. Um, but so, so we love it. So being there, we, cause we even had the option in some ways of the way the process was at the time, we, we could travel and do um, the initial kind of court hearing and then could come home for a few weeks and then could go back and do passport and other things like that because there's just a gap that you can't avoid in between. Um, so it was either like go there and be there for six weeks or go for two, come back for two, go for two. Um, luckily, I had some uh, supervisors that were willing to let me go and do that. And uh, I worked from there um, the whole time, but but just loved it. And so culturally, you know, we were a little bit different and maybe that we weren't the family that was asking every day, like, what do I eat? Where do I go? How do I travel? But for us, it always was, hey, what's, I mean, Lifeline has such a great support system in country, in countries where they adopt. There was other families who were in process that that they they were with different agencies, but we met them through different stops or different things. And they, they just never knew what was going on. Um, they had an option of calling someone in the States and trying to get answers. And that would be it where we we could could email or call or all the 15 different messaging apps with uh, Susanna and the India team, they're immediately contacting our team of support people in India who are contacting, you know, in the native language, government officials in India that we've built a relationship with, the orphanage that we've built relationships with. So it's just, it's a whole system of, of people that, that are there to support you to say, hey, this is what we're hearing. This is what's holding it up. These are the the three people that we've engaged on this side and on that side of the world to help take the next steps. I mean, you just, the the frustrating thing is, is dealing with the hurry up and waiting. And when's the next thing going to happen? And there was just never a shortage of information. There was never, a, this is what's going on. There wasn't always answers. But there was always this is what we're doing to get them, and this is what we believe is going to be next, and how it's going to happen, and um, that was that was just invaluable. You know, I think as as we're talking about, you know, kind of focusing on National Social Work Month and and thinking about what it is that the, that God's called you to do. I, I think one of the things I, I was reflecting on a little bit earlier as you were talking is um, social work by its very nature is a discipline of of stepping into 
hurt, stepping into brokenness, stepping into dysfunction, trying to bring resources and, and help to bear in, in places where there's brokenness. And, you know, sometimes we get deluded, I think, in the body of Christ to think that that's not supposed to be part of our lives, right? Like it's that there's, that somehow, you know, walking with Jesus is supposed to be this, everything is, everything is perfect. And we know that's not true. But what I have loved and really, I, so man, I just want to dig into this for just a second with you is the opportunity to bring hope into situations where there's hurt and brokenness and how being a social worker has given you an opportunity to put the gospel on display. I think the obvious answer here is because I work at Lifeline and we start each day with prayer and time reminding, orienting my own heart to that, um, even in the first few minutes in this building every day, because that allows me to root myself in that. I think I'm reminded every single day in this profession how nothing is in my control. And I've never, never would have guessed how often I would learn that lesson again and again and again, because the Lord truly continues to reveal that his timing is perfect. And so um, just to be able to root myself in that support and in um, that encouragement each day is really the only way that I'm able to ever support that to families. And um, again, to see the faith that these families walk out, you know, being a social worker is absolutely important and great. And, you know, I'm very thankful for the things that I get to do. And y'all have all been very kind um, in your words today. But the families are the ones who are really embarking on this lifelong faith journey, the ones who are up in the middle of the night and traveling to foreign countries or different states, you know, and y'all are the ones that are in the middle of it, Jeremy, and families like yours. And so um, just, again, being encouraged by that and the people who are willing to take that really big step of faith is such an encouragement to me because it's not an easy process, as we've all said. As Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, and God gets the increase. And so it takes a team of folks to work together. Uh, you know, as we kind of end this podcast, I think we should end on a light note. Uh, even before we started recording, a lot of people call Susanna by the wrong name around here. Uh, some people call her Savannah. <laughs> some people have even called her Olivia because of one of her coworkers. And so I've gotten to give her the double name of Savannah Olivia. And we thought I was going to slip I, I, and, and use the wrong name. It, I realized it as soon as I said it. And then it was the slick-tongued, <laughs> silver-tongued one, Dr. Rick, who uh, who calls Susanna Savannah. So. I can't believe that I was the one because I was so sure. <laughs> it's my lifelong experience. Don't worry. <laughs> We, uh, we're just grateful for not just the ability to work together for the glory of God, but to be able to laugh together, to be able to work together and uh, grateful for uh, not just the Simpsons, but the families they represent who do answer this call to bring the gospel to bear for children in India, for children around the world, for children here at home. We're thankful for young ladies like Susanna who answer the call to spend their life on behalf of others and to show the gospel to them. We're grateful for for, for folks like Dr. Rick, who can sign autographs and write books and be a worldwide uh, phenom. And we're grateful for opportunities like this, ultimately connect the body of Christ, because we're here ultimately to show the gospel and defend the fatherless. Until next week, we're signing off for the Defender Podcast. 
Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.